He who follows the Prophet will also follow him in inviting people and in performing Amri Maruf and Nehi Munkar. He who does not do so has not adapted himself to him. If disbelievers were not Allah's enemies, it would not be obligatory to feel hostility towards them. It would not be the first of the things to bring a man closer to Allah. It would not be an important part of Iman or an addition to Iman belief. It would not cause the Wilayat, the grade of Awliya, to be attained and Allah's grace and love to be gained. Our Prophet ﷺ stated, The best of worships is to love Muslims because they are Muslims and to dislike disbelievers because they are disbelievers. When Allah asked Hadrat Musa What did you do for me? Musa answered, O my Allah, for you I performed namaz, prayed, fasted, paid zakat, and mentioned your name very much. Upon this, Allah declared, O Musa, your prayers, namaz, are documents for you. Your fastings are a shield against hell. The zakat is a shade that protects you against the heat of the day of the last judgment. Your mentioning my name very much is a light that will illuminate you in the darkness of the grave and the rising. That is, all these things are useful for you. What did you do for me? Hadrat Musa Islam entreated, O oh my Allah, tell me the worship which is for thee. Allah Ta'ala declared in Ayati Karima, O oh Musa, did you love those who loved me for my sake? And did you feel hostility towards my enemies for my sake? So Hadrat Musa realized that the good deed done for Allah was to love for his sake and to be hostile for his sake. Love necessitates that you love the friends of your darling and be inimical towards the foes of the darling. This love and this enmity are not within the power of faithful lovers. They cannot help themselves. This happens by itself without striving, without taking pains. The friend's friends seem beautiful and his enemies seem ugly and evil. Also, the love that occurs within those who are seized by the pretty appearance of the world goes through this same process. Unless the person who says that he loves keeps away from the enemies of his darling, he is not regarded as a man of his word. He is called a hypocrite, i.e. a liar. Shaykh al-Islam Abdullah Ansari Qususru says, One day Abul Hussein bin Samun offended my dear teacher Husri. Since that day my heart has been feeling unfriendly towards him. It will be appropriate here to mention a famous saying of the great. If you do not feel offended towards a person who offends your master, a dog is better than you are. These two principles of love are declared in the Quran and Hadiths. Those who wish may refer to the Persian original or the Arabic or Turkish versions of the 29th letter. As it is understood from these ayati karimas, it causes a man to be away from Allah if he loves the enemies of Allah. Unless there is enmity, there will be no love. But this enmity should not be deflected into hostility against the Ashabi Kiram, as some people do. Enmity is to be felt towards the enemies. Hostility felt towards friends, as in the example of Rafidis and Shiites, is rejected. Because all of the Ashabi Kiram were honored with attaining our Prophet's presence and company and his blessed looks, which were nourishment for the heart and soul, they loved one another and felt hostility towards disbelievers. They all were darlings of the Messenger of Allah. Can it ever be a principle of love for Rasulullah to feel hostile even towards one of them? Don't those who say so betray their enmity instead of showing their love? Question. Of the great awliya, Qadasallahu ta'ala asrarahum laziz, 
Those who believed in Wahdat-i-Wujud said that everything in this world is a mirror reflecting Allah Ta'ala. In everything, nothing besides the perfect attributes of Allah Ta'ala can be seen. Then, isn't it necessary to deem everything good, to love everything, and not to deem anything bad? There is a saying, no absolute evil exists in the world. The pantheistic philosophy of Spinoza, a Dutch philosopher, is based on a plagiarism from Muslim books on Wahdat i Wujud. Answer. It is clearly commanded in the Quran to dislike disbelievers, to feel hostility towards them through the heart, and to treat the Harbis harshly. Harbis are a class of disbelievers explained at the end of the 20th chapter. It is out of the question to doubt this. No matter what disbelievers' essence is, it is fard, obligatory, and necessary for us to adapt ourselves to the Quran. Our business is with the nas, not with the fus. That is, our task is with the Quran al-Karim and hadith sharifs, not with the books of the awliya. For example, Hadrat Muhyiddin i Arabi's kashfs that are contrary to the Quran and the hadiths, which he communicates in his book Fusus, cannot be documents for us. On the day of judgment, being saved from hell and attaining salvation will depend on the Quran and hadiths, not on the books of the awliya. Fancies, dreams, kashfs, and inspirations that occur to the hearts of the awliya cannot take the place of the Quran and hadiths. Those with erroneous kashf or inspiration have to adapt themselves to the Quran and hadiths and act in accordance with the Quran and hadiths, though they may not conform with their conscience and kashf. They must entreat Allah Ta'ala ceaselessly so that correct inspirations will occur to them in their heart's eyes and they will be salved with the dust of Prophet's feet. Also, let us mention the fact that those awliya who recognize Wahdat-i-Wujud divide beings into grades. They say that the state of the importance of each grade are different. They do not ignore the rule of Kathrat-i-Wujud. Kathrat-i-Wujud means to know of the existence of creatures as well, to know both the Creator and His creatures. The rules that are put forth by recognizing the existence of all beings are called the rules of Kathrat-i-Wujud, plurality, which is the basis of Islam, they know that to relinquish it is to be a renegade, i.e. to abandon Islam. Since performing Amri Maruf and knowing the sinners and disbelievers are as evil are rules of Kathrat-i-Wujud, as the other rules of Islam are, they deem those who ignore them as mulheeds or zandiks. A mulheed is a person who does ilhad, which in turn means to misunderstand one or more parts of the Quran al-Karim and thereby go out of Islam. A zandik is an atheist who pretends to be a Muslim. Also, those who say that there is no certain evil have to say that there is evil in one respect. Since we have to know disbelievers as evil and keep away from them, this evil in one respect is enough for them. Those who recognize Wahdat-i-Wujud do not eat poison. They do not let others eat it either. They kill the scorpion and the snake and tell others to be mindful of them. They love those who obey them and dislike those who disobey them. Hadrat Jalaluddin Rumi, one of the notables of men of Wahdat-i-Wujud, says in his Mathnawi, He who will not believe this word, now I see him headlong in hell. These great people prefer sweet foods, delicious sherbets, exquisite textures, touching voices, fragrant odors, fine sceneries, beautiful appearances to the tasteless, ugly ones, and like them much more. They protect and take care of those who approach them, and they protect them and themselves against dangers. They pick out useful things and avoid harmful ones. They try to obtain what they need. They educate their children. They consult one another about their important affairs. 
and they do not let their daughters and wives go out without covering themselves properly, and do not let others approach them. They keep their children away from bad friends. They punish the cruel and their enemies, and warn their patients against harmful foods. Are these acts of Wahdat-i-Wujud or Kathrat-i-Wujud? Then is it worthy, is it reasonable, to try to escape one's duties as a born slave of Allah by exploiting the rules of Wahdat-i-Wujud and to avoid obeying the rules of Kathrat in matters pertaining to the hereafter, while it is fard and to obey them? Is it reasonable to make Wahdat-i-Wujud a pretext for dodging the responsibilities we have in this base worldly life? The reason for it is to deny the divine rules, to disbelieve the prophets, and not to have iman in the rising and in the torments and blessings of the next world. Of those who recognized Wahdat-i-Wujud, the ones with correct hals very strongly adhered to their faith and their actions were compatible with Islam. This fact is written at length in books. My father, who was my master, the cause of my coming to life and my happiness, was very careful while making an abdast ablution, in taharat cleaning himself from najasat, which is explained in the sixth chapter of the fourth fascicle of endless bliss, in namaz, and in observing the adabs or manners. And he used to say, I learned these by closely watching my father's manners. It is not easy to learn from books how to observe the adab together with all its subtle particulars. His father, the grandfather of this fakir, was a man of Wahdat-i-Wujud, and was an unequaled arif in the marfats in the book Fusus. At the same time, he was perfect in observing the ahkam-i-Islamiyah. My father used to say that he had learned this behavior from his master, Hadrat Ruknadin Ichesti, by observing his manners. He was one of the great awliya of Wahdat-i-Wujud, and he was always overcome by his hals and kashfs. Yet it was known by everybody that he was a perfect person in adhering to the ahkam-i-Islamiyah. Hadrat Ubaidullah-i-Ahrar was inclined to Wahdat-i-Wujud, yet he was matchless in adhering to the ahkam-i-Islamiyah and in spreading the religion, the ahkam-i-Islamiyah. He often said, if I were a sheikh, no other sheikh would find a disciple for himself. But I was commanded to spread the ahkam-i-Islamiyah, not to become a sheikh. Sheikh i Akbar Muhyiddin i Arabi Qudsusru was a sahib i Ithnad in the knowledge of hadith and was in the grade of ishtihad in the knowledge of fiqh. He used to say, with our Prophet's command, call yourself to account for your conduct before you are called to account. Some sheikhs call themselves to account every day and every night for what they have done. I have surpassed them in this accounting. I call myself to account for what I have thought as well as for what I have done. Sultan ul Arafin, Bayazid i Bastami, and Sayyid i Utaifa, Junaid i Baghdadi, Qusus Sirahumma, who may be said to be the founders and the leaders of Wahdat i Wujud, adapted themselves to the Ahkam i Islamiyah from head to toe. When Bayazid performed namaz, the rattling of the bones in his chest would be heard. Everybody should have heard about the words of Halaji Mansur. Nevertheless, he used to perform a thousand rakats of namaz every day and every night, and he performed 500 rakats the night before he was executed. It is surprising that some of those who say that we shouldn't interfere with anybody and that we shouldn't attack others make intimate friends with disbelievers such as Jews, Jukis, Brahmans, Mulheeds, Zindiks, Armenians, Freemasons, and renegades who have deviated into different ways. At the same time, they say, 
retrogressive, reactionary, fanatical about the Ahl Sunnah wal Jamaat who adhere to the Sunnah, to the way of Rasulullah, and they feel hostility towards these true Muslims who were given the good news of it is only these who will be saved from hell, and who were praised it is only these who follow my and my Ashab's way. While they make friends with disbelievers, they take pleasure in hurting, insulting, and annihilating these true Muslims. What kind of wahdat i wujud, what kind of unity is it to feel hostility towards those who follow the way of Hadrat Muhammad, who is Allah's compassion upon all classes of beings, while at the same time being friendly with disbelievers towards whom the Quran commands us to feel hostility? Isn't this sheer disbelief and enmity towards Islam? Thank <laughs> you.